sign witness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Biz Talk Radio is proud to bring you... Investor's Edge with Gary Kolbaum. Straight talk on you and your money. You can reach Gary now at 877-747-EDGE. That's 877-747-3343. Here is your host, Gary Kolbaum. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kolbaum, who's out today. Today is Friday, May 17, 2019, and we have a great show for you tonight. We want to thank you very much for being here. Uh, just a quick housekeeping before we get into it today. Just as you know, as a quick review, this is a show about you and your money and all points in between. If you uh, don't get the show in your city, you can go to GaryK.com 24-7. You can listen live or archive. We're live Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Also at GaryK.com, you can listen to the archives of the show. You can pause it, rewind it, fast forward, and re-listen to any part that you might have missed or want to touch back on again because I know a lot of people like to do that. And it's available on all the devices. You can follow Gary on Twitter by just pressing the button. You can subscribe to Gary's Morning Notes, read all of the other articles that he posts or just other posts that he publishes, his thoughts, pre-market notes. He puts a lot of really, really good content on GaryK.com. And you can also subscribe to the Conviction Leaders newsletter that he writes, which is a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic report that gives you just direct access to what Gary's seeing all day, every day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's not too much, by the way. I know Gary has a lot to say about the markets, as you know, but he does a really good job of just being very concise. He filters up the noise, focuses on the facts, and tells you really what you need to know about navigating successfully, you know, Wall Street successfully and, and making good decisions based on the facts that he sees. And then when they change, as we've seen over the last, I don't know, week and a half to two weeks, it's just been a great example. He's all over it. And he'll update you throughout the day and let you know or throughout the week whenever important things happen. You get a weekly report, too. At the end of the week, he'll give you a big weekend report with you typically publish Sunday nights or any time over the weekend. But you know, by Sunday night, you can log in and, uh, and check it out. And you get a leader's list, his conviction list. So as you know, it's a great report. Definitely recommend checking it out. On to the show. Let's start with the market wrap, and we can do the weekend review as well, and then go through – I guess, a lot more in depth and take a look about what actually happened this week what, and set, get set up for next week. So for the day, it was another volatile session on Wall Street. The Dow was down, I think, 200 at the open, rallied back, briefly turned positive. The news in the morning was that consumer confidence jumped to a 15-year high. That, that survey was taken before the latest 700-point shellacking on Monday and the latest, you know, I guess, um, uptick in the China tensions between the U.S. So keep that in mind. But it's very encouraging and very bullish to see consumer sentiment jump up to 15-year high because, remember, consumer spending – makes up two-thirds of the economy. So when you see consumer sentiment jump, that bodes well for the economy. And that's why, you know, one of the reasons why stocks erase their losses in the morning. And then we had another big headline that came out, which was the U.S. trade talks with, uh, with sorry, the U.S. reached a deal to lift the tariffs from aluminum and steel with both Canada and Mexico. And that had been a contentious point for both the NAFTA deal and the new signing of it and renegotiating of it. And the fact that it, there's a deal now in place to lift those tariffs bodes well for both the Canadian economy, the Mexican economy, and of course the U.S. economy going forward because it negotiated, quote unquote, a better deal. But the market turned lower in the afternoon. So it was down 200, rallied back, briefly positive, and then fell in the afternoon when big headline came out saying U.S. trade talks with China have stalled, quote unquote. And that's based on sources, not one person or one specific person is accredited for it, but the news broke nonetheless. And as we saw today with the tariffs, the other big headline came out is that the U.S. did indeed extend those auto tariffs for six months, and the rumor had came out two days ago or whatever, three days, whatever it was, earlier this week. So we're in a situation where once these rumors, these sources leak this information, it's more or less a foregone conclusion. So the uh, quote-unquote is that the U.S. tensions or the talks are quote-unquote in flux because it's unclear what the U.S. and China would negotiate. So when that news hit the tape later in the day, boom, stocks fell, and they uh, closed lower in the final hour. 
Now, uh, for the day, the Dow dropped 100 points, ended at 25,761. The S&P 500 dropped about 17 points, ended at 28,59. The Nasdaq Composite fell 80, about, let's call it 82 points, to 78,16. And the Russell 2000 fell the most on a percent basis, fell almost, I guess, 19 points to 1538 and change. Uh, that might not be the exact closing numbers, but it's shortly after the close now, and it looks like those are the numbers. So. The uh, give or take whatever settlement needs to be adjusted, but it's about 10 minutes after the close, so it should be good. So either way, for the day, it was a down day, but another volatile day. For the week, more or less, it was a, we saw a lot of volatility. The market opened on Monday down big. It was a 700-point decline in the Dow, and then it rallied back Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The 50-day moving average, which Gary talks about at length, has been support for most of this year. For the first time this year, it was broken, and it was broken this week. If you remember last Friday, the market, the major indices for that matter, broke below the 50, rallied back, and closed above it. And when you have a chance, just take a look at a daily chart. You can type in uh, QQQ for the NASDAQ 100. You can go on any charting service. They all have the 50-day moving average right there. You can go type in SPY, which is the ETF that tracks the S&P 500. You can type in DIA, which is the Dow Jones Industrial Average, or IWM for the Russell 2000. And that's just a good overview of the quote-unquote market. Whenever anyone says market, by the way, it's just talking about the major indices. And the Russell sometimes not included. It's just the Dow, S&P, and NASDAQ. But um, I like to look at a broader picture because the market's more than any one index. But the 50-day moving average had been support, meaning every time the market pulls back into that area, didn't even touch it most of this year, it would bounce. And for the first time this year, it broke below it on Monday. And then it rallied back above it, tried to get above it yesterday, but then closed just below it today. Depending on the index you look, this I was talking about the S&P 500, but the uh, it closed just below it today. The QQQ, which is NASDAQ 100, same thing, broke above it yesterday, closed just below it today. If I uh, look at the QQQ, the 50-day moving average is 183.49, and we closed at 183.04, so just below it. And the diamonds, so the Dow, didn't actually get above it yesterday. It rallied into it. And it, uh, it rolled over both yesterday and today, but it actually broke below the 50 back on May 7th, the DIA, which is the Dow Jones, or the ETF that tracks the Dow. And the Russell 2000, the small caps, uh, broke below it on the 7th as well, and then actually started on the 9th, and then it's been below it more or less since. So what we're seeing, ladies and gentlemen, as a week in review, all of the major indices, as I just mentioned, ended lower for a second straight week. And we're now in a situation where the 50-day moving average needs to be watched. I mean, the, the Dow has been down for, I think, three week, four weeks now. But the S&P and NASDAQ have been down two straight weeks. And the big notable difference in the Russell 2 the last two weeks, most of the selling's come in the last two weeks. But the Dow fell earlier because of um, a few earnings and a few other headlines that came out for Dow-specific stocks. But more or less, the last two weeks, have we've seen a change. It doesn't mean that the market's going to roll over and crash tomorrow. It doesn't mean that the market can't just turn around and go higher if we get a positive headline. But much of this rally this year has been predicated on the fact that we're going to get bullish or data from – or the China negotiate a deal will come. That changed in the last two weeks. Support, which is the 50, was broken. If you have no headlines, if you're on Mars and looking in and saying what's going on, where's the market above or below the 50, it's now below it. Not by much, but below it. So we want to see if this is going to be a one-off. In other words, a temporary break of the 50, and then it breaks back above it and can keep going, which is okay, and it happens along the way. Or if this is a change of the guard, so to speak, and we get that whole sell in May go away type scenario, and we get into more trouble, meaning the market rolls over, it gets more choppy, and, 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 which we've all very, very familiar with. So if the market can get back above the 50, and the faster it does it, that would be a bullish sign. If it doesn't, and the next near-term level of support that I'm watching is Monday's low. If Monday's lows hold, we'll have to expect a sloppy sideways action to continue. If not, then it's taken out. Monday's low will probably go back, and you can look at March's low as the next area of support to watch. And if that level's taken out, then we've got some, some more selling ahead of us. So I just want to step back and say that the tenure's definitely changed. A more cautious or, I guess, a uh, cons conservative, if you will, approach is, is warranted at this point, meaning the market's not just going straight up as it did for most of this year. It's now pulling back and digesting some of that move, which is okay and can be healthy. 
if it can repair the damage. But if we start seeing some more damage, you know, just take note. <laughs> Adjust accordingly, however you want to do it. Do whatever needs to get done. Uh, up next, we'll talk some stocks, some sectors, and a whole lot more. I'm Adam Sarhan, and this is the one and only Investor's Edge. It's time to switch on the integrator units and get the brain cells working. You're listening to... Hey, this promises to be fun. Investor's Edge. The last bastion of quality programming. With Gary Coldbaum. It doesn't get better than this. Once again, to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kolpoff. In case you're just joining us, we spent the first part of the show going over the major indices. It's Friday, so I always like to do a week in review on Friday, not just a day in review, but a, uh, a market wrap for the day, but a market wrap for the week. And for the week, the major indices ended lower, and they also ended below their 50-day moving average. The good news is they did end in the upper half of the range for the week, which is somewhat of a subtle but bullish sign. In other words, on a closing basis, if you ever look and if you're you know, want to study the charts a little bit deeper than just looking at the, the market and just looking at a quick overview. The, where the market closes is a subtle, not always, not 100% perfect, nothing, remember, nothing is 100% perfect on Wall Street, a subtle but important indicator of who won the battle for the day. Think of a kid's game of tug-of-war. Every day there's a tug-of-war on Wall Street between the bulls and the bears. If you look at the open versus the close and the range in between, if the market, all things being equal, by the way, closes in the upper half of the range for the day, the week, the month, the year, the quarter, whatever time frame you want to look at, it all applies to the same thing. It tells you that the bulls temporarily won the upper hand. If it's a – it changes. So there's two scenarios. It's either an up day or a down day, right, unless the market closes flat, but that's an event. So if it, most days the market closes up or down. Now, if it closes up but in the lower half of the range, typically that's not a good sign. And by the way, take a look at Walmart. WMT is a symbol. W for Walmart, M for Mary, T as, in for, as Tom. Gapped up yesterday morning on earnings. So it was an up day for the stock. Closed in the lower half of the range. And if you watch the stock during the day, it just sold off. And it didn't actually close down on the day, but closed in the lower half of the range. So it was an up day for the stock, but it was closed very close to the lows of the day. Now, it's still a gap up, but a lot of that gap was filled by the close. Anyway, today, stock's down. Granted, the market was down today. doesn't really matter. Stock closed down today. Well, if it gapped up yesterday, and now it's back to almost to where it was the day before, it's almost as if yesterday's day didn't even happen doesn't mean just because it closed down yesterday in the lower – sorry, not down, but in the lower half of the range yesterday, it would be down today. It just means more often than not, it's a subtle sign of change of, of tenure, if you will. Now, not always, but it's just something to keep in mind and to consider. It did it, by the way, Walmart too, back on February 19th, had a big gap up, closed in the lower half of the range. The very next day, sold off hard and fell for the next several weeks before putting in a near-term low and then closing in the upper half of the range on the 27th of March. And then rallied since then. So this happens to be a good example just recently this year. But if you go back further, it does, it's not always the case because on December 24th, it closed near the lower half of the range. And it was after a big move down and boom, it went straight up afterwards. But that was, of course, a different different animal with external events that happened with the Fed and the plunge protection team and all that fun stuff changing course. So that's when the stock goes up. The next scenario is a down day. Well, okay, what happens in a down day? There's three things the stock can do, or the market can do on, the, on a down day. It closed in the upper half of the range, the lower half of the range, or in the middle of the range. So in the middle of the range, it's eh, not too much. It's, I'd say it's more bearish than bullish. If it's down on the day, closing the lower half of the range, it's not really a, a bullish sign. It's somewhat of a bearish sign. Of course, all things being equal. These are general things, and they don't always apply to every situation. i got to throw the caveat out there because I don't want people emailing me or calling me and saying, hey, Adam, you said X, Y, Z. As a general rule of thumb, with many exceptions, that's just something to keep in mind. And if it's a down day and the stock closes in the upper half of the range, then that's a subtle sign that maybe the selling is exhausted. And even though it's a down day, it could be a somewhat bullish event. Now, that doesn't always happen. There's no correlation that I've found that has any kind of statistical 
weighting where I say, okay, just because it's down, up, or up, and then down, it's going to fall, or rally the next, not necessarily. It's just something else that I analyze that tends to, when put together, paints an overall picture. So one puzzle piece by itself doesn't really show you the puzzle, but you put several puzzle pieces together, now you can see the whole picture. And that's kind of what I do with all of this extra in-depth diving uh, and analysis. Now, I don't spend too much time. I know a lot of people go a lot more deeper. I just look at things that matter. So the same is true, as I mentioned earlier, for a daily chart, a weekly chart, monthly, annual, quarterly, whatever time frame you want, hourly chart, minute chart, you know, that type of thing. Obviously, the longer the time frame, the more consistent the reading is, but it does vary. So every Friday, I like to look at the day, of course, but I like to look at the week. Because it's the tug of war for the week. It tells you what happened during this week. And the major indices opened lower on Monday, rallied, 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 Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Briefly turned positive yesterday, briefly, not all of them, but some of them. And then it fell today, so it closed lower, but it's in the upper half of the range. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to rally next week, not necessarily. It's just something that if it does rally next week, okay, I know the 50-day moving average is right above it. If it can break above it by next Friday and close above it, then this signal is going to be validated. I mean, the signal, the fact that closing up right half the range. If we get a bad tweet, if we get a bad enter anything you want headline, whatever the case may be, all this goes out the window. Just like what happened on Christmas Eve on the 24th. The very next day, you had uh, Secretary Treasury Munition call all the heads of the big banks right after Christmas. And the 26th, the first trading day the market's open, we called them on the 24th. And the 26th, it dials up 1,000 points. And then boom, just never looked back. And then, of course, you the Fed reverse course a few days later, and then boom, or a few weeks later, whatever it was, and boom. So that's um, those are the external forces that can't be not so what's the right word here that can't be quantified so and they do impact the analysis and they and they call they distort the playing field let's put it that way so be very careful as you you know everything i say use it with a few grains of salt and of course do your own analysis and do your own homework everything here is just for informational purposes only nothing is a recommendation for anything whatsoever so having said that and getting the disclaimer out of the way it's just another piece of the puzzle another tool that i use to help analyze markets and make sense of everything that's happening on a day-to-day basis and give me just that little bit more of an edge now that's the good news that we did close over half of the range. The not so good news is that we are down for two weeks in a row. Oh, sorry. The other before I go into not so good news, the other good news for the week is that it's somewhat light volume. Even though Monday was a heavy day, since then you didn't have massive volume for the week. Now that could change, of course, but on a weekly chart, if you look at the QQQ or the SPY, uh, no, sorry, the QQQ had some volume. So take that back. Let's the SPY was somewhat of a light volume. Well, no, the volume just kicked in. Okay, never mind. So it was. A, let's put that in the negative column. The volume was heavy last week and this week. That's what I thought it was, but it was just bad data I was getting. So it was down and it was down on volume. That tells you that, like Gary said, it's not Aunt Mary and Uncle Bob doing the selling. There's all the time for this next segment. Up next, we'll talk more about the market, week in review, sector stocks, and a whole lot more. I'm Adam Sarhan. This is the one only Investor Day. You're listening to America is talking. Investor's Edge. you got to be big with that. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. With Gary Kulbom. I'm highly recommended. You're going to feel better if you talk to him. Welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Starhan, and for Gary Polpon. In case you're just joining us, we spent the first part of the show going over the major indices, spoke about the uh, market wrap, daily wrap, and now we're doing the weekly wrap. We spoke about the different ways of analyzing price and volume. Spoke about the fact that we have updates, the market closes higher, that's typically a bullish sign in the upper half of the range. And if it closes in the middle or lower half of the range, it's not the most bullish sign. Of course, all things being equal, that does vary from time to time. And when the market closes lower, if it closes in the upper half of the range on a down base, it's not necessarily a bullish sign, but it's, an, it's a better scenario or a more bullish scenario than if it closes in the middle or lower half of the range on a down day. So um, the next thing to analyze is volume. When you look at volume and you look at how stocks work, you want to be able to say, okay, if it's a heavy volume day, up or down, 
that just tells you, okay, there's more people buying and more people selling. If it's a light volume day, that tells you there's not a lot of people buying or selling. So when you want to analyze the market on any different day, you want to be able to dive in deep and ask yourself, what's supporting the price action? If it's a light volume day, it's different than if it's a heavy volume day. So what's happening now, it's really important for you to understand that volume is secondary to price. In other words, price is primary. So it just helps put the pieces together. Now, when you step back and you analyze everything, it doesn't mean it's going to happen for sure. And that's the other part of the equation, ladies and gentlemen, where it's really important for you to step back and say, okay, well, it's a good breakout. It broke out on volume. It's you know this, that, and the other thing. And it's a good pattern. It's a good chart. Well, the stock didn't go up. And that's okay. And that's the other side that you have to be cognizant of, of the fact that it's okay. Just because markets don't function in the way that you expect them to doesn't mean that there's anything inherently right or wrong. It just means that the trade didn't work out. And when you think about trades, it's important to think about the trades, not in one trade or two trades, but think of them in 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 200 trades. Because this way, any one trade or two trades or 10 trades will not throw you off, meaning cause you to be upset or cause you to be happy or cause you to be anything like that. So if you have a good process and you manage your risk and you know that most of your trades are not going to work out well, meaning you're going to get stopped out, you're going to have losses, dot, 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 and you have 30, 40% that are going to work and they're going to work very well, or even 20%, how do you adjust accordingly? In other words, the mental capital that we spoke about yesterday, how do you get into a mindset where it's okay for you to step back and say, this is working or this is not working? And when the losses happen, they're inevitable, they're going to happen, just like sitting in traffic, you're no longer upset and or frustrated or thrown off. In fact, you're anticipating, you're expecting them to happen and you're okay with it because you know it's part of the process. So once you can change your state of mind, your, your frame of thinking from, oh my God, I got stopped out, I lost money, I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm enter any negative feeling you want and you, it just becomes a neutral event. It's not a positive event, it's not a negative event, it just is. It, it's part of the process. It's impossible for anyone to trade stocks and never lose money or never have the wrong trade. It's just, I mean, at least, I don't know, it's impossible, it's a hard word. I've physically never heard of it, never seen it. It just, statistically, it's impossible. So whatever word you want to use, if it's going to happen, then I always ask myself, because early in the early days, I used to get frustrated and upset and beat myself up and angry, whatever the case may be, and there any other negative feeling you want. If it's going to happen, why logically would you be upset about it when it does happen? So I've shifted the conversation a little bit from, hey, how to analyze the stocks, how to analyze the market, to... Okay, we know even though we can analyze the stocks, analyze the markets to the best of our ability, earnings are good, earnings are bad, the technicals are good, technicals are bad, the charts are good, charts are bad, whatever the case may be. It's important to have structure and framework and rules and guidelines that give you what's called a positive expectancy. Meaning if I follow these rules and I do 100, 200, 1,000 trades, whatever the case may be, will I be positive at the end of that data set or negative? And once you're able to come up with one that's positive, meaning just analyze the risk versus the reward, then everything is put in the proper perspective. And it's not just this business, by the way. Look at baseball. The best batters in the world. Same stats as the best traders in the world. Three out of ten, maybe four out of ten, two out of ten, somewhere in that range. Right? And you're really, really good. You have to be the best, the best. But really good batters. Are they hitting three? They're hitting ten out of ten? No. It's impossible. Seven out of ten right? Three wrong? No. It's off the charts. So same thing with trading. So instead of being mentally and emotionally thrown off when losses happen, because they're inevitable, they're going to happen, you have a situation here where you expect them to happen and you're okay with it and you use it as strength instead of weakness. In other words, you expect the losses to happen and when the losses do happen, you're not thrown off, angry, emotionally upset, dot, dot, dot. Yesterday we spoke about the fact that we all make emotional decisions when we buy and not purely rational ones. Even though you might think you're different and we, I did it as well. But if you want, go back and listen to yesterday's radio show. It's available on GaryK.com. It's a good area in their segment in there. The fact that we're all human 
and some of our biases briefly touched on that, and spoke about the fact that we make emotional decisions and we justify it with logic. Well, I'm buying the stock because, enter any logical explanation you want. <laughs> it, I, it sounds like I'm oversimplifying it, and I, I, I've talked, to, I've been in this business for 20 years and speak all over the country, and if not the world, and speak to mem- investors big and small, and I can tell you at the end of the day, people are people are people. People are people are people. You may think it's different. You may think it's not, you know, it's not the same or it doesn't apply to you or this, that, and the other thing, but at the end of the day, people are people are people. People make emotional decisions when they buy and sell for that matter, and they justify it with logic. So I want to make sure that you reprogram or rewire your brain to make sure that you're on track to changing your mindset, the mental side of the equation, because you can control that. And if you are aware of the fact that you're making emotional decisions and not making rational decisions all the time, then all of a sudden, you can start doing things, taking action, which I help people do all day long. You can just go on adamsarhan.com, and there's some courses there, and you can get in touch if you want one-on-one sessions and dive deeper. And then you can start making rational decisions with your money. I have yet to see one person that is not emotionally attached to their money. They're not happy when they make money. Some people are not upset when they lose money, but large, massive chunks of money, which happens on Wall Street all day, every day, invariably weighs on our emotional state and our psyche. People are emotionally attached to their money. People make emotional decisions when they buy and they sell. Here, we're hit with double whammy. (laughs) You're buying and selling and you're trading your money. Not my money, not his money, your money. So keep that in mind as you make your own decisions and as you look to become better and improve your game, so to speak. It's always really, really important to step back and say, What's happening? Not what I think is going to happen, but what's actually happening, and how do I align myself with what's happening? Because now, all of a sudden, instead of fighting the market, and I'm sure a big portion of the audience has experienced that before, which I certainly did when I got started, and being angry or upset or frustrated or whatever, enter any negative feeling or emotion you possibly can think of, step back and say, oh, I want to be in line, aligned with what's actually happening and in harmony with what's actually happening. Then things change, and things change for the better. And they change in a big way. So what's happening here is that you're able to look in the mirror and say, okay, how do I improve? How do I get better? How do I align myself with what's happening? And then you can step back and say, what can I do better? How do I improve? Just like an athlete trains and trains very hard, we traders should be doing the exact same thing. Yet most nobody, you know, very few people actually do. Up next, we'll talk some sectors, some stocks, and a whole lot more. I'm Adam Sarhan. This is the one and only Investor's Edge. You're listening to... Well, what are you waiting for? One, two, ready, go. Investor's Edge with Gary Caldwell. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan. And for Gary Caldwell, who's out today? Today's Friday, the 17th. In case you missed any part of the show, you can go to GaryK.com and re-listen to it. Or listen to it again if you want. There's a lot of material that we covered today, and I'm going to keep going just in the interest of time since we are light on time. So we did the uh, market wrap, spoke a little bit about analyzing some charts in a little bit more detail, and then shifted gears and spoke again about mental capital since I received quite a few emails from many listeners after yesterday's show, so I do want to touch upon that. And now in the final uh, few minutes here, I want to go through some sectors and do a week in review for those. So the XLF, which are the financials, had a a decent rally since the end of March or so. Then you had a pullback, and it's pulling back into the 50-day moving average. Now it closed just near it, on it, and very close to it. Nice little downward trend line is forming. The bulls want to see this area be defended and for it to rally from here. If not, you know, I'd say probably near-term low would be Monday's low 
is the next area to watch. If that low is taken out, then we have to go back and look at March's low as the next area of support. But for now, if we can get a rally from here, that would be a bullish sign. The transport, uh, transportation stocks, IYT, that actually broke below the 50, rallied right into it yesterday, and now it's below it again. And we're seeing some distribution days showing up, meaning big heavy volume sell days and not a lot of heavy volume up days. Not the end of the world just yet. But it's definitely something to note because the price and volume action is not the best. If this can rally from here, take out Thursday's high, and get back above its 50 in the process and start you know, having some volume on the updates, that would be a good sign. Even if there's no volume but it rallies, it'd still be a good sign. So the transportation stocks are also good to watch. And the reason why I start with the financials and the transportation stocks, they're a very good proxy for the economy. Remember, as more stuff moves across the economy in a healthier economy, transportation stocks tend to do well. Financials tend to do well because more money is moving, and the opposite is also true. So a few other ones I want to go through. The materials, XLB, that's below the 50. Look for that. The recent areas of support could be this week's low, but it's not really an area of support. But I guess you could look it back at, uh, I'd say, probably February's low, somewhere in that range. But um, you want to see this get back above the 50. It's been below the 50 now for a week and a half or two weeks or so, and it needs to get back above the 50. Otherwise, it's going to be some more trouble for the Material stocks, the XLB. The industrials, XLI, very similar chart to the Dow, since the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It wouldn't be a shocker, but it's something that I just wanted to briefly mention. It's also below the 50, and the bulls want to see it get going back above it. Same is true for support. Support, I would say, would be Monday's low. If it breaks that, it's probably going to go and retest the low from back in March, the end of March. A few other ones here, XLV, which is a healthcare stocks, that's been living below the 50 for quite some time. Not a good sign to see the healthcare stocks below the 50, but you've got a lot going on with the healthcare space. And it's, you've got a bullish fundamental backdrop there. I mean, for the, the healthcare stocks and the biotech stocks, the IBB, you've got an aging population. And, as, and life expectancy is increasing. Every single day, people are living longer and longer. And as they live longer, they need more medical – they need more healthcare. And they need to buy more medical supplies and services and drugs and, and biotechs and all that other fun stuff. So you have a life expectancy that is increasing – and you have a record number, the demographics, you know, more people are retiring than ever before, and they're living longer. So that fundamentally longer term should be bullish for the uh, healthcare and biotech sectors and the like. But um, it's just something to keep in mind as we move forward. But right now, there's no question both these groups or these, you know, these sectors are under pressure, and they need to get back above their 50-day moving averages to really get going. Otherwise, it's going to be a situation where it's going to be more of the same, where they're just consolidating, they're moving sideways. Not much is happening. It's not really a, an exciting area. Since it's, it's quiet, in other words, it's just moving sideways. Nothing to report. Nothing's going on. That's notable. And nothing really, when I say exciting, back in 2015, the biotechs were on a tear for since 09, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. They topped out in the summer of 15, the IBB. We have a chance to go back and look at it. And Gary was all over it. He called it the no-sales biotechs. And he wrote about it and spoke about it at length. And it was a situation where these biotechs with no sales were losing money, were going up. Tremendous amount. Not sustainable. And then, boom, you had the big correction slash crash in the biotech space. And that led to a multi-year bear market slash pullback. And Valiant Pharmaceuticals, which had changed their name, now it's called Bosch Pharmacy, Inc., or whatever it is, um, was the poster child for that big decline. A few other sectors. I want to talk about the commodities briefly. We had the uh, steel tariffs lifted today. The steel stocks, S as in Sam, L as in Larry, X as in X-Ray, have been under pressure for quite some time. And they haven't been going. But now you have a situation where they've turned around. They've You would expect them to get going. You've got the infrastructure plan, a billion-dollar plan or whatever the trillion-dollar plan is or whatever may happen. Nothing's actually – you know, we need to see it happen just yet, but we're talking from D.C., fiscal policy. We're going to see a big infrastructure plan that should help these steel stocks. They're just – they're not going. Copper, same thing. You would expect these areas to go, but for whatever reason, they just haven't. And when you have a situation where stocks should be rallying, of course, the news hasn't actually broke yet. So it's not a situation where – it's going to go, but it, it can go, then it's just something to keep in mind. JJC is an ETF that tracks copper, very thinly traded, mind you. 
and then gold and silver both had down days today, and they're uh, just again nothing to report. Nothing's going on there. I was I was thinking gold might rally, but it didn't. Instead, it rolled over this week. Same with silver. Big declines there, not too much going on. And then, of course, semiconductors are the last one that we have time for for today. SMH is there, and that's pulling back, and that broke the 50. So we're seeing a changing of the guard. Oh, there's a bell. All the time we have for today, I want to thank you very much for being here. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm Adam Sarhan. Gary should be back on Monday. Good night, all. This clean edit of Investor's Edge created by Stu Lander. Follow me at twitter.com slash S-T-O-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. 